the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You like Trump? Well, you're like a Cowboys fan. Dale Hansen is a sportscaster in Dallas. He's the same age as I am. He's been a sports anchor at WFAA in Dallas for about 40 years. And he's able to do something you never see on Pittsburgh TV anymore, a commentary. Imagine that. And he's a liberal. Now imagine a guy in Pittsburgh getting away with this. Here's Hansen comparing Cowboys fans to Trump supporters without actually saying so. This Cowboy sees it as a perfect metaphor for life in America now. No matter how bad the Cowboys are, how much they disappoint, the promises they don't keep, the embarrassing performances game after game, they apparently do just enough so the loyalty of the Cowboys fan never wavers. Oh, there are a lot of people in America who don't like the Cowboys. We'll make fun of their claim to be America's team, but the true believers will tune out the noise. The TV ratings continue to set records, and there's not an empty seat in the stadium to watch a losing Cowboys team play. It hasn't always been this way. When the Cowboys were bad in the late 80s, the Cowboys fans stayed home. Fans donated their tickets to charity so kids could go because they weren't going to support a team they knew they couldn't trust anymore. But now, no matter how many outrageous claims to greatness the man in charge will make, so many he appears to be delusional at times, the lies they tell, the questions they refuse to answer, the laws and rules they break, the incompetent people they hire only to be fired, it's never their fault. It's the fault of the critic who dares to question their greatness. Because the true believers know their team is the best team. Opponents who beat the Cowboys are not to be respected for the work they do. They're hated because they're on the other side. The NFL official who is there to provide the checks and balances to ensure the game is played the right way. We boo those officials. We question their integrity because we know they're on the other side, too. And the loyalty of the Cowboys fan even extends to the broadcast booth. The Cowboys in Washington yesterday on Fox had their number one team of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman broadcasting the game and was aired in 74% of the country. While the Eagles were beating the Giants to win the NFC East and only 18% of America was able to watch. Fox loves the Cowboys more even when they're bad because this Cowboys season is a perfect metaphor for life in America now. See, you get it? Fox, Trump, like Trump, get it? Like the Cowboys? Well, that's dumb. You can substitute any president for Trump and any other team for the Cowboys and say the same things. So what's the point, Dale? Sorry. Anyway, in our second half, we're going to talk, second half hour, we're going to talk about sports media and the upheaval going on at some of the major outlets with the guy who covers sports media for the Washington Post. When we come back, we're also going to talk to a former Navy SEAL sniper who's going to tell you about the significance of Trump's decision to snuff out an Iranian rat. Stick around. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. 
Just because it's cold outside, it doesn't mean you need to stop grilling. Not if you've got the right grill, and that would be a Solaire infrared grill. Solaire infrared grills perform equally well in the cold of winter as in the heat of summer. Just like you feel warm from the sun when you step out of the shadows, the Solaire infrared burners heat your food directly, not the air around the food like conventional grills do. The intense heat also results in the juiciest food you will ever taste from a grill, gas, charcoal, or otherwise. To get the great taste, it's all about the heat. And Solaire Infrared from BestHotGrill.com gets hotter than anything you've ever experienced. Try it yourself with the Solaire Demo Program. Solaire is truly the last grill you'll ever buy. Learn more about these amazing USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. She's such a beautiful little puppy. I mean, we walk around the block and neighbors always say, her hair is so beautiful. Healthy and shiny and glossy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Fatty acids, omega-3s, and omega-6s are great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. I would really recommend people starting their puppies on Dynavite before they get into what I would call the misery index. Bad skin, bad ears, bad breath. Because if they're getting all their vitamins, micronutrients, microbials from the beginning, then you're not going to run into the problems associated with the allergies, grass, pollen, dust dirt, fleas, ticks, you name it, and the itching and shedding down the road. Our vitamins and enzymes replace the nutrients cooked out of most commercial dog foods. Dynavite for life. This is Ed Lukasevic. And Cindy Lukasevic. Inviting you and your pets to Dynavite. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Don't let your home be invaded this season with rats and mice. Keep them away the most humane way with plug-in, pest-free, 100% chemical-free. Totally safe for your family and pets and environmentally friendly. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, the electromagnetic pest control device that has been scientifically tested and consumer proven since 1995. Now that's fair income. With a 60-day money-back guarantee and a two-year manufacturer's warranty, what have you got to lose? Stop inviting unwanted rodents and pests in with baits. Say goodbye to traps and start saving money today with Plug-In Pest Free. Order yours now at gopestfree.com and save 20% with promo code PEST20. That's gopestfree.com, promo code PEST20. Are you ready to start saving money? gopestfree.com, promo code PEST20. Don't sprain regret, plug in and forget. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, you know, your country has problems, um, you know, when they have a funeral for a guy who's supposed to be a national hero and 56 people are killed in a stampede. That's what happened uh, at uh, Qasim Soleimani's uh, funeral in uh, uh, Iran. And uh, meanwhile, the Democrats and most of the media have done a good job of trashing uh, President Trump for making that funeral necessary. Jack Carr is a former Navy SEAL sniper who spent a lot of time fighting terrorists in Afghanistan, Iraq, and the Middle East. He's also the author of two political thrillers, The Terminal List and True Believer. His third book is Savage Son. That's coming out in April, and Jack joins us now. Jack, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. So you you spent a lot of time in the Middle East. What is the significance of Soleimani uh, being killed? Well, there's... uh... Well, first, I'll start off with how you how you started the segment here with uh, the the chance of death to America, the funeral processions through the streets, people being trampled, burning American flags. It uh, I'm, I'm a child of the '80s myself, so uh, it seems like I grew up with the, those images being on the evening news, and uh, this just harkens back to those uh, those times in the '80s that I can remember us all sitting around the television, really from 1979 onwards, and uh, seeing very similar demonstrations in the streets of uh, of Tehran. So it's, uh, it's almost nostalgic. But uh, significance of his death is it's twofold. One, it, he was killed and t- well, targeted and killed, not just for uh, what he was, well, what he had done, which is facilitate bringing in IEDs, particularly the EFPs, the explosively formed penetrators, which could uh, defeat uh, the most advanced armor in the world. Uh, but what he was planning on doing uh, against uh, diplomats, U.S. soldiers, citizens, and uh, U.S. interests, in the region. So um, he should have been taken off the board a long time ago. And uh, that's coming from, from someone who uh, 
uh, well, it was personal for me because the, the IEDs that he smuggled or he facilitated bringing into Iraq uh, really ended up uh, killing my friends. So um, it was nice to see him taken off the board finally. See, I, I have a tough time understanding why people would be upset. If, if you can have a discussion about whether we should be there and get into a big discussion about our role in the Mideast and all that stuff, but we are there. And, and if you know that this guy has been doing what you just said he's been doing, why wouldn't you kill him at your earliest convenience? I, I just don't understand why it's even right. a question. Right, and he was, a, uh, he was an enemy combatant, uh, actively planning on uh, killing U.S. diplomats and citizens and soldiers uh, in the region. Uh, and he killed many a U.S. Uh, US soldier uh, during our time in Iraq. So, yeah, it's hard to, it's really hard to conceptualize why people would be upset uh, when we're in the midst of a war uh, that we take out a uh, very significant figure on the other side. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a tough one to wrap your head around, but uh, a lot of people, I think, are just blinded by their uh, distrust and, uh, you know, disdain for the current administration. Yeah, how much of a shock do you think it was to the leadership in Iran that, that Trump, uh, President Trump, decided to do this when and how he did it yeah so they've been working off a different paradigm for the last 40 years uh one that uh has really confirmed to them that the u.s is not in all instances but in many instances uh a paper tiger and they think uh they think back to 1979 they think back to 1983 to the uh the bombing of both the embassy and then the marine barracks in beirut uh that was facilitated by iranian backed hezbollah so that's really the foundation of um, of what they, how they, what, what they use as they make their decisions going forward. And they've been testing this new administration for the past year, uh, through the attack on Saudi, uh, oil company, through, uh, attacks on both or ships in the, the Strait of Hormuz, uh, shooting down an armed U.S. drone. And then they escalated, um, with the attack on our coalition bases that killed a contractor and, and the attack on our U.S. embassy. So, they found out where that line in the sand is for the new administration. You know, I, you mentioned 1979. I was uh, very much aware of what was going on then. I'm old enough to remember that very well. Um, and uh, you just talked about how a difference in, you know, now now Donald Trump is president and they have a different, uh, there's a new sheriff in town. When Ronald Reagan became president and Jimmy Carter stepped out, um, things changed. Uh, the hostages all of a sudden showed up. They were back. They came home. That's true. So my uh, earliest memories are of, uh, of watching the uh, was it Walter Cronkite every night on the news would give that day how many days in captivity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, so I remember that from a very early age, and uh, that definitely formed uh, what I did with the the rest of my life. Um, and uh, yep, as soon as Reagan got in, you're right, there was a change. But uh, but then through reigning back Hezbollah, they uh, another paradigm emerged later on, and the U.S. had a very hard time dealing with terrorism and it taught iran that ter- and others that uh, that terrorism does work in many cases uh they know now uh, iran does that uh tr- president trump is different from what they've been used to so how do you think their response will differ from what it might have been say if obama had still been president or if, god forbid uh, hillary clinton had been in there Right. There's some other factors that they have to uh, to think about now that uh, that they know where that line in the sand is, and they know that they're dealing with a different administration than they've dealt with in the past. And my guess would be that they're they are going to respond. Uh, they have to, otherwise they lose face in the region, they lose face with their own people. And I would think that with their track record of success using proxy groups, that they do that, but they make it even harder to trace directly back to them in a legal sense. So even if we know an attack comes, and we know that Iran is behind it, uh, making it hard to lay that case out in a legal sense, both to the American people and the international community, um, to justify another response of our own. I think that's where they'll they'll put their a lot of thought uh, into into making sure that it's very difficult to trace it back to them legally. So, but how disproportionate should we expect the uh, the U.S. response to be to whatever Iran decides to do if we find out that it was they who did it? Well, I think that this administration is not messing around. Um, And, you know, the old maxim of know thy enemy, uh, they forgot to do that. They forgot to open up Sun Tzu's Art of War and uh, and read that page because uh, they they did not uh, do that in the case of Donald Trump and this new administration. So remember, the United States has practiced great restraint 
since the end of World War II. And we haven't seen attacks uh, in the same vein as uh, firebombing of Tokyo or Dresden uh, since World War II. Uh, that and a lot more is in our arsenal. Uh, so with this new administration, Iran should definitely take those things into account. I, Jack, uh, we're talking to uh, to Jack Carr, and I, I want to take a minute here just to read a little bit of, of your bio from uh, just so people know who they're listening to here. Former Navy SEAL who led special operations uh, teams as a team leader, platoon commander, troop commander, task unit commander, operations officer, and executive officer. Over 20 years in naval special warfare, he transitioned from an enlisted SEAL, SEAL sniper a SEAL sniper specializing in communications and intelligence to a junior officer leading assault and sniper teams in Iraq and Afghanistan to a platoon commander practicing counterinsurgency in the southern Philippines to commanding a special operations task unit in the most Iranian-influenced in, Iranian section of southern Iraq through the tumultuous drawdown of U.S. forces. You've been around a little bit, Jack, over there in the, in the Mideast, uh, so you, you know of what you speak, don't you? Well, it was a good run, um, but uh, one of my last assignments there in, in Iraq was down in Basra, and one of our main missions there was to pressure the enemy threat network, which is a very polite and diplomatic way of saying it was to destroy IED cells facilitated by Iran. So, uh, once again, this, was a, this, uh, this hit on General Soleimani the other night was, uh, was a personal one for me. Yeah, and uh, you've been in the embassy in Iraq that was attacked. Could that have turned into another Benghazi? Oh my gosh, the uh, the Megazi images, of course, are very uh, clear uh, to us. It happened so recently. And then the 1979 takeover of our embassy in Tehran, those images are seared into the American psyche. Um, and this very easily could have turned in to another Benghazi. Um, so thank goodness it did not. Um, and, uh, and But yeah, I've been in that embassy, and it's, in a, it's an incredible place. Uh, it's also quite large. And uh, once you get people inside the wire, uh, especially multiple people inside the wire. Um, man, I, 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 I'd like to know exactly what, more information on exactly what happened that night because uh, however they got everybody out of there and defended that embassy, I mean, it's, uh, we haven't heard much about exactly how that went down, but uh, my hat's off to everybody involved. Now you had friends killed there in Benghazi. Will the whole truth of what happened there ever be told, do you think? I don't know. It's a... Uh, I wasn't on the ground there, but uh, uh, two guys that I served in the SEAL teams with that were friends of mine uh, didn't make it home that uh, that day. So um, that one's also a very personal one for me. But it seems like uh, even though it only lasted, and I say only um, because it probably felt like days for yeah. those guys involved, uh, 13 hours, uh, we didn't know that at the time. You know, it could have lasted one hour or it could have lasted two weeks. So um, I think it's unforgivable that we didn't at least start moving forces um, toward them a lot quicker than we did. Um, the movie 13 Hours, did you see it? I did. And it's, uh, you know, usually I'm very good at separating myself from uh, what's happening on the screen and where I am right. now in life and just enjoying the films for what they are. But uh, that was the only one that I have seen in recent memory, and I try to see you know, most of them that pertain to, to what I used to do. Uh, it's the only one that made me want to get back into the fight. Um, you know, <laughs> just for a second there, and then of course it's uh, yeah, I realize it's time to <laughs> time to move on and take care of my family. But yeah. and that one was a powerful movie, and people have not seen that. I highly recommend uh, they go out there and, and see that movie and uh, get a glimpse or a tiny bit of a, a taste of what those guys uh, went through that night. It's a great movie, uh, and I wonder. Just um, I know you weren't there, but from what you understand, do you think it uh, was pretty true to form? You know. I, uh, I would, th I think so, and you know, it's always movies are always. It's hard to make things. They take uh, license, it, yeah. You take, yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, the feeling behind what it's like to be uh, in, in an ambush, to be besieged, to be in a in a situation like that. Um, I think that's uh, what it captured. And of course, they had guys that were actually there. Uh, they had guys on the set that were uh, Mark Geist and uh, those guys. They were there on the set. Uh, helping make that thing as accurate and authentic and as gritty as possible, and they certainly captured that. Um, now, get back, getting back to uh, the, the guy who was snuffed out by President Trump, uh, what I have trouble understanding is how he, uh, Soleimani, who's supposed to be our enemy, Iran, was able to drive around in a convoy in Iraq, who's supposed to be our ally. I mean, how, how does that happen? <laughs> 
What, what, I mean, he, he, he right. seemed to have free reign over there. Sure. So remember, his formative years were really 1980 to 1988 in the Iran-Iraq War, where um, untold number of people were killed on both sides. We had must-read gas attacks. We had human wave uh, attacks. It was uh, people lost friends. They lost uh, uncles, brothers, husbands. Everyone was affected by that conflict, and nothing changed. The border didn't move. Uh, so for him to be able to go into Iraq with such impunity, uh, in 2015, he walked through the streets of Saddam Hussein's hometown of Tikrit. And the imagery of that and what that meant and what that symbolized to the people of Iran that just made his political and military capital really go through the roof there. And for him to be able to continue to do that today in, uh, well, 2020, 2019, 2020, uh, just shows how much influence Iran really has in Iraq. And, yeah, it's not just because we left in 2011. Uh, it's a major part of that is that Saddam Hussein was ousted. Um, and it was really after that, really at the start of the war, that Iran recognized that there was an opportunity for them there to uh, to, to really finish the Iran-Iraq war and to uh, essentially to win it. And uh, and they did that in a symbolic way, by the way, that uh, uh, General Soleimani was able to just walk into that, fly into that country and walk around that country with impunity. Yeah, and he was walking around in Tikrit, you say, in uh, 2015 in, in, uh, in Saddam Hussein's hometown? That's only four years ago? Yeah. That's right. That's right. And the, 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 the images of that uh, shown to the Iranian people, that, uh, that really just shows that, hey, uh, we essentially won that war. We own this country now, although that's maybe putting it a little too strongly. Their mm -hmm. influence there is significant and continues to grow. That's probably the best way to say it. Now, I want to ask you this, too. Uh, we have a, there's a guy here from, in Pittsburgh named Rocky Blyer who played for the Steelers. He's a, a Vietnam veteran, was injured in Vietnam. And uh, ESPN did a, a, a story with him, and they went back to Vietnam 50 years later. And I don't know if you saw this. And uh, Rocky got very emotional at one point, and he uh, and they asked him what's a, what the problem was. He was standing in the spot where he near where he was injured, and he just he was crying. And he said, "I, I just." Uh, and when they asked him about it later, he said, "I just started thinking, why? What what was I here for? Why did I do this? What 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 was it?" What was the purpose? And I'm just wondering, do you think that how, how many guys would feel the same way if they went back to any of these spots in, in the Middle East where you went? Would they be asking how many of them would be asking the same question? Probably all of them. And, you know, it's a tough question to, to wrestle with. And it's one that I, that I think about a lot. Uh, so was it worth it? What did we accomplish? Uh, did we move the ball forward uh, in any way or did we take a step back? And uh, that's something we'll be wrestling with for a long time. And for those of us that were there, I think the best way to think of it is those that uh, that lost their lives, families that lost loved ones, um, for their sacrifice not to have been in vain. We have to learn from the mistakes that we made. We have to acknowledge them, and we have to make better decisions going forward. We have to apply those lessons learned going forward, and that is the best way we can honor those that uh, didn't make it back. I got about a minute and a half left. You've written two books: uh, the Terminal List and uh, True Believer. They're novels, uh, political thrillers. You have a third book, Savage Son, coming out. It's been delayed by the Department of Defense. You got about a minute against the hard break. Uh, how, how can you, right. how do you can you explain what that's all about? That's right. So these are political thrillers, pure fiction. I uh, wanted to write since I was a little kid and gave it a shot as I was heading out of the military, and it uh, it worked out. But I submitted them to the Department of Defense just to, just to make sure that there was nothing in there that could cause any harm to national security. And, of course, there is not. But being the government, they, uh, of course, <laughs> overreach and send the manuscripts out to every government agency that I've never even worked for, uh, for their take. And uh, I think they have a, a saying, it says, uh, when in doubt, black it out. So they, uh, they redacted some things that were completely ridiculous in both the first two novels. And I anticipate the same thing happening on this, on this third. But, uh, they're late and they're delaying things, and I, I just think that uh, they can't help wasting our tax dollars. Uh, that's, uh, that's my honest assessment of it. Well, I appreciate uh, you being on, Jack. We appreciate your service, and uh, good luck with the, the book coming out, Savage Son. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, that's Jack Carr. We'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. President Trump appears to be changing his stance on the targeting of Iran's cultural sites. Over the weekend, the president said he was prepared to bomb Iranian cultural sites despite international prohibitions on such attacks. But now he's suggesting he'll begrudgingly obey the laws of armed conflict. They blow up our people, and then we have to be very gentle with their cultural institutions. But I'm okay with it. It's okay with me. With tensions between the U.S. and Iran escalating, the president says the U.S. is totally prepared to attack if Iran retaliates for the killing of its military commander. Greg Clugston, the White House. Defense Secretary Mark Esper says while the door is open to diplomacy to ease tensions between Washington and Tehran, U.S. will maintain a defensive stance. Cooler weathers in Australia helping firefighters fight those blazes. This is SRN News. Mike Gallagher isn't sure which side the Democrats are on. The Democrats are virtually on the side of Iran. As the daughter of Soleimani has vowed that there is going to be dark a dark event happening against the United States as they are promising to literally attack the White House, the Democrats seem to be siding with our enemy. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The Answer. Teens in foster care will love you, even if you don't know the lingo. Dad bod. Now, the result of the occasional donut always washed down with confidence. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. The best picture of the year is 1917. Raves Forbes magazine. We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. It's a soaring tribute to heroism that's both epic and intimate. We need to keep moving! The best war movie since Saving Private Ryan. There is only one way to descend. Lost Man Stanley. 1917. Rated R. Under 17, not made without parent. Now playing in select theaters everywhere Friday. I didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed. We got back. And of course, we went to different cities. One day, he called me out of the blue. And it's comforting to know that I always encounter him to have my back. We hadn't talked for a while. And then she texted me. And we went for a walk. She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help. I was away from my family during the holidays. And a friend invited me to their house for dinner. It really meant a lot. He knew I was having a rough week. So he asked me to go fishing with him. My friend knew that I didn't want to go out. So... She brought me dinner instead. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared to give me some hope. Just that one text. Be there. Your call. Your presence. Your words. Your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at VeteransCrisisLine.net. Online holiday shopping lets you find the perfect gift in just a few taps. But it could also help expose your personal info leaving you potentially vulnerable to identity thieves. Good thing there's LifeLock. If you have a problem with identity theft, they can work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft, but LifeLock gives you peace of mind this holiday season. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year by using promo code SMART. That's promo code SMART at LifeLock.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Looks like plenty of volume all around the area on all our majors. Now, Parkway North, seeing a backup there outbound. Venture Street up to Union Avenue. Parkway West, jamming up on the inbound side. Carnegie to Green Tree. Also seeing delays outbound. Banksville Road to Green Tree. Parkway East seeing some slowdowns outbound. Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Outbound 28 delays. Veterans Bridge to 40th Street Bridge. And Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. 
this afternoon. Snow at times early with little to no accumulation expected. High 39. Rather cloudy with some snow showers late tonight. Low 29 for tomorrow morning flurries. Otherwise breezy and cold with clouds and sunshine. High 31. Wednesday night low 16. For Thursday mild with increasing clouds with a high 41. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. You know, I've known for a long time that I got into the sportscasting business when the getting was good and I got out when the getting was even better. Lots of upheaval at the old major sports media outlets. That includes what may be the most iconic sports media outlet ever. Ben Strauss covers sports and media for the Washington Post. He joins us now. Ben, thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure, John. So uh, your column today is about some upheaval going on at Sports Illustrated. Uh, what's going on there? Sports Illustrated, the uh, iconic uh, glossy magazine, is uh, in a state of upheaval. As you said, they have um, a new owner, uh, a media technology company called Maven, based in Seattle. They uh, bought the, the media rights, the publishing rights to Sports Illustrated over the summer and took over in October. Uh, about 40 people lost their jobs, which is, you know, uh, more than a third of the staff as part of that transition. Um, and sort of we know Sports Illustrated as this, you know, magazine that, you know, does investigations and profiles and, you know, big national hard-hitting stories. And their strategy for it is to, you know, create a bunch of local websites, um, you know, covering every team. And, and there's been a series of uh, embarrassing incidents with these teams, Um with these websites, excuse me. And, uh, the staff is, you know, looking around going, you know, this is, this is not working. We have serious concerns. And so, um, we did a story a couple of weeks ago about some of the chaos and the turmoil in the office. And just yesterday, the staff, uh, announced that they were, uh, going to unionize. That sounds like a, uh, a company in the throes of something <laughs> to me. Um, you know, you've got people leaving and the people who are left are unhappy. That doesn't sound like a good work, uh, place um situation no i think it's fair to say morale is uh is pretty low yeah so um uh there are lots of unhappy people still working there you know you mentioned that they they want to try to do this thing with the websites uh you know a different a different person covering each team uh around the country uh those are not known to be high-paying jobs which would which would seem to me to me to uh, mean that they're you're not going to get really high quality people to do those kinds of jobs. Is that me or is that? Yeah, I, I think you hit the head, the nail on the head there, right? The, um, the jobs are low paying. I think it's, you know, $2,500 a month, maybe. Um, they're not staff jobs. They're, they're independent contractor jobs. Um, and the idea is to produce a lot of content and to boost uh, page views and, um, you know, audience metrics. Uh sort of at the cost of, of, you know, the high-quality journalism that, you know, for years and years sort of, you know, Sports Illustrated championed. Um, yeah. So it's, 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 it's sort of, they don't, they don't seem quite aligned. Um, but I, sort of the flip side is that Sports Illustrated was not in great shape, you know, before this recent, you know, tumult. Uh, under Time, Inc., long-time owner, um, you know, there was, you know, cutbacks and, um, you know, not a lot of investment in the last two years. They were owned by, uh, you know, the Iowa-based magazine publisher, Meredith, uh, and there was a lot of austerity then, too. So there have been, you know, a number of years of, you know, job losses and cutbacks, uh, and Sports Illustrated, you know, as a company, struggled to move from, you know, the, the legacy print company that it was to, a, you know, a digital-first operation. Um you know, like a lot of magazines and startups do that, but you know there are places like the New Yorker and New York Magazine um, that have done you know a pretty good job. Sports Illustrated never had, and so the idea that they needed some new blood, they needed some new ideas, new ownership. Um, I think the staff would go along with just the, these ideas and, and this particular new ownership group. Um, you know, they don't particularly eye-to-eye and, and sort of what the future of it is is pretty unclear. Yeah, and, and for Sports Illustrated, for I'm someone who is old enough to remember when it was a, a, a big, big deal and everybody you knew subscribed to it. I know I did. Uh, and if, 
it, as a magazine that you hold in your hand, it was great. The cover meant something, um, and uh, and some people would tell you back then that the pictures, uh, the photography, was as important to that magazine as anything that was written in it. They had great photographers. Uh, some of those pictures are still out there as iconic pictures that you see that were that's you know that began in Sports Illustrated. How does that? How does somebody even? Uh, how, how does that even? possible to transfer to um, digital and still have the same effect? Yeah, I think it's it's sort of a, a hard question a lot of us in, in media have asked and, and struggled with, and there haven't been a lot of, you know, legacy places that have been able to transition. Um, when I look at the Post, we, you know, struggled for a number of years and have done better lately. The, the New York Times is thriving. Um I mentioned a couple other magazines, but, but uh, you know, regional uh, newspapers and, and uh, local newspapers are, are, are having issues. Um, it's it's not like, you know, you look around and, and there's lots of healthy media companies. Sports Illustrated, I think, stands out in the way that it, it really was the gold standard. It sort of created, um, you know, the, the, the high-quality sports journalism that, that so many people grew up with in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, it was the best job in sports journalism. You know, you became a, you know, a staff writer at Sports Illustrated. That was, you know, the pinnacle. That was the, the top of the mountain. And so, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of nostalgia involved in, in you know, watching what's happening to it now. Um, but there's also sort of the, the fates of these people who are working there. Um, and, you know, we sort of mentioned business plans and, and some of the low-quality work that, that, that's been injected. But, you know, they were part of the new ownership also um, – you know, there's people who, who don't know, you know, they're contractors and they don't know if they're going to, you know, be around beyond, you know, early next year. Um, there was a, a human resources complaint against a new video executive who was, you know, promising trips to the swimsuit issue to, to somebody who, you know, if they did good work, which is, you know, um, uh, pretty problematic. And so I, I, I think, you know, from where it was to where it is, um, and the uncertainty that's that's swirling around there, um, it says a lot about the media industry. Um, yeah, and it sort of says a lot about you know um, where this magazine you know is right now. Yeah, well, uh, ESPN the magazine has gone under, uh, and so do the new owners who bought Sports Illustrated really think that there's a future for a for a magazine that you can hold in your hand? Is there even a future for that in the media? I think they they intend to have a magazine. Um, it's, it's moving to a monthly, yeah. uh, production schedule. And I think right in, 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 um, in a glass half whole world, you could, you know, squint and see it all working, right? Like you need digital investment, you need, you know, to revamp the digital operation, the product. And while at the same time, you know, you can have, you know, a, a sort of this brand enhancing, you know, magazine, um, you know, that people subscribe to and, you know, your best, biggest work goes into the magazine and it's a, it's a monthly product. And, and there is, um, you know, the two, the two operations work seamlessly and, and well together. Um, it's just, I think that, you know, the staffers, they would tell you that that is not what is happening. Um, you know, the, the, the diagnosis of what's wrong isn't necessarily the issue, but the, you know, the prescription and the execution is, uh, you know, what's really falling short. Yeah, I'm coming to you from uh, a city that uh, I think it's the only major city in the United States that doesn't have a daily newspaper. Mm -hmm. We have a newspaper that now uh, publishes three days a week, the Post-Gazette, so I can see where that's headed. Uh, we're talking to uh, Ben Strauss. He covers sports and media for the Washington Post. I want to get to some other things while we have you here, Ben, if you don't mind. Um, uh, ESPN's bosses decided that they would go back to meat and potato sports, uh, no more politics a while back. What's been the result of that? You know, I think that uh, there's a lot less, um, I don't know, controversy around ESPN today than there was a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, I think bosses are, are, are very happy. Um, you know, as a sports network, they want to be thought of as, you know, a place for sports fans and, and to, you know, be a unifying force for, you know, people who want, you know, something that isn't, you know, the daily, you know, political divide grind of, you know, the, the you know, Trump show of, of D.C. and, and um, politics. Uh, I think that 
sort of the general sense is, is that it's work that just also runs into, you know, issues when there are, you know, thorny things that happen, like the NBA in China. Um, and yeah, they do intersect once in a while, don't they? <laughs> right. So I, I, I don't think, you know, my, my personal thing is I don't think Houston did the greatest job of covering that, you know, China ESPN story. Um, you know, it was fraught politically. It was fraught with, you know, Disney and ESPN have their own business interests in China. So, you know, I think most of the time it's, or a lot of the time it's, it's, it's probably easier to do that. And then there are these instances when, you know, big stories come up where then you're left a little flat footed. Um, and it's, it's sort of hard to be the worldwide leader in sports when, you know, those stories come up and, and you're not super well equipped to, to handle them, or you don't want to handle them. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed in a story that I think you did that, pardon the interruption, is the most popular talk show at ESPN. Uh, Tony Kornheiser is one of the hosts. He's 71. Michael Wilbon is 61. And as an old guy, that makes me feel good. But but what does it mean? <laughs> they are great. They, yeah, they've had this, I think it's gone on like 20 years now. Um, and it's... Uh, the, the chemistry they have on TV, the, the way the show works, um, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, and a lot of people watch it. Um, the other thing that is really advantageous for it is that it went on the air before this era of fragmentation. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, before court cutting, before, you know, streaming, before Twitter, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it built up an audience in an era when it was easier to build up an audience. Um, that's no no slight of the show. Like the show is is great and continues to be good. And um, you know the fact that those two guys have been doing it for so long at such a high level is a testament uh, to them. And I I don't think that there's any uh, you know any um, indications no. or, or that that you know they're going anywhere anytime soon. And it's a great concept, simple, and it um, and it doesn't require a, lar- a long attention span. Um, and it's uh, it it's contains a, there's a lot of quantity and quality. I I think it's uh, whoever came up with that format is a genius. Before I I let you go, I got to ask you something else. Uh, this is something that I wonder about a lot as a former TV sports guy. Uh, if I were working at ESPN or, or any other sports network for that matter, would I be justified um, in wondering why it is you have to be a really good looking woman to moderate a sports panel show these days? I think it's a it's a super legit question, um, and I think I don't think right uh, on Fox Sports or ESPN, you know, across their afternoon debate shows, uh, you know, their their roundtables. I don't think that there's a single um, female uh, panelist, regular um, host or, or panelist. They cycle through some of the shows, um, and so they appear on them. But every they sit there you know, and nod their heads. Permanent every permanent show host is a man. Yeah. Um, you're right. Uh, you know, the first take, and I think you know some other shows that you know the the woman is the moderator, and uh, I think uh, you're you're right that it is you know far past time for one of those you know any one of the sports networks um, on one of those shows to um, you know break that mold and and give a show like that or you know put a you know a female host opinionist on one they, of those shows. Absolutely, they they provide as much. Um substance to the show as the price of right the price is right girls do you know they 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 sit there and they nod their heads and to me they set back the cause of women's in sports journalism by about 50 years every time they put the show on because they sit there and nod their heads can you think of any one of those and i'm not talking about the the women who actually have substantive roles i'm talking about the women who they just place in a seat there or have them stand there uh on a, in a on a set and just for the to be eye candy, um, is there? Can you think of one who has actually ever made a contribution to the show, and and one that would be working? Put it this way: one that would be working if uh, she looked like um, I don't know Scott Van Pelt or uh, Trey Wingo. Well, I, I, the the female host of Peak is Molly Quarm, uh, and, and while she is the you know the um, you know person who's asking the questions yeah. and, and sort of, you know, not the opinionist on the show. I mean, she, she says things, uh, but you, you're right. Sort of the dynamic of it is, um, it's not conducive to, you know, that role, uh, being involved in the conversation. You're sort of, 
you know, you're there as a as an umpire to you know facilitate. Yeah, but 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 conversations but, under guys there who are. You yeah, know, but the, if they they would the not be the, the umpire if they looked like uh, Trey Wingo, you know, or or Michael Will, or Tony Kornheiser for that matter. You know that, that you don't get. I wouldn't mind the umpire if they started putting women in there who were fifty-seven years old, you know, with gray hair, and they were. But it's, to me, it's, I don't know why anybody, nobody points this out. Nobody's ever done a story on it. It's not my, you know, uh, beat anymore. But it seems like it would make a pretty good story to talk to them and ask them if they really, you know, who 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 puts them in there? How do they get hired? And how, what do you do to have to keep your job? It's a fair point. <laughs> I can't argue. Yeah, I know, but I, 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 why am I the only one who's making it? I'm not saying this about you, but I never hear anybody. I think people are afraid to bring it up because it's sexist, but I think it's sexist to put them in there only for their looks. It, it, as I said, they're prices right girls. They're, it set back the, the well, cause. I think of, the, the, the side of that is there, there should be female opinion is on, you know, the string of afternoon shows on the sports network. The idea that not one of those shows has a female host, permanent host, whose name is, you know, in the show or is, I mean, it's, it's in 2020. It it, it is a little, it's definitely (laughs) bizarre and I'd say surprising for sure. Yes. Everywhere too. And, and, um, uh, I, there are some who are very good. Don't get me wrong, but there are just as many who just have no purpose, and it's it's kind of embarrassing. Hey, hey Ben, I, I appreciate you being on. Always good to have you on for the insight and uh, interesting uh, story about what's going on there at Sports Illustrated, an icon in sports journalism. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, John. I'll talk to you. Okay, thank you. That's Ben Strauss, and we'll be right back. The team at MyPillow is grateful for you, so grateful they have an amazing offer. Buy one, get one on their incredible sheet sets. Mike Lindell has come out with the world's most comfortable bed sheets. He finally found the best cotton in the world in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all come together to create the ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. His new Giza Dreams bed sheets are made with this long staple cotton, and he guarantees they will be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. The first night you sleep on my sheet, You'll never want to sleep on anything else. The Giza Dream Sheets are available in a variety of colors. And like all of Mike's products, they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Right now, you can buy one, get one free by calling 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAG. For a limited time, you can buy one, get one free. Call 800-716-8087 or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure to use the promo code STAG. Shopping online this holiday season? Finding the perfect gift from your computer, tablet, or smartphone is a breeze. Just a few taps, and you're done. But all that online shopping? It could expose your personal information and leave you potentially vulnerable to identity theft. And you may miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. Like someone selling your info on the dark web, or taking an online payday loan in your name. Good thing there's LifeLock. They monitor your personal information, and if you have a problem with identity theft... They work to fix it. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock offers something that's perfect for the holidays and beyond. Not having to worry if identity theft happens to you. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to LifeLock.com and use promo code SMART. That's promo code SMART at LifeLock.com to save 25% off. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. I'm Andy Solomon. 
T-Mobile has launched the country's first and only nationwide 5G network covering more than 5,000 cities and towns all across the country. Here's Senior Vice President of Network Engineering and Development, Mark McDermott. This launch immediately catapults T-Mobile into position as the country's biggest 5G network, covering more than 1 million square miles beyond the big cities to the small towns, and that's just the start. And now available are two new 5G superphones that can access nationwide 5G, the exclusive OnePlus 7T Pro 5G McLaren and the Samsung Galaxy Note 10 Plus 5G. And we'll be able to supercharge the 5G network with more speed and capacity if the pending merger with Sprint closes. This holiday season, get a great deal on a 5G phone at T-Mobile. For more information, visit T-Mobile.com. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we spent some time talking about the stinking media today. Um, Sports media mostly in the last 15 minutes or so um, with Ben Strauss from the Washington Post. But... uh, Some more media news here for you before we go. CNN, remember Nick Sandman, the young kid uh, from Covington Catholic High School in D.C. with the idiot pounding the drum in his face? Remember how they trashed him uh, in the media, called him a racist and blah, blah, blah? Well, CNN settles with Nick Sandman. And uh, they're not uh, disclosing what the settlement was, but... He was suing him for $250 million. Uh, maybe that scared CNN a little bit. I mean, what if you lose that one? Um, so CNN uh, settled. Now, what, what if he got, I don't know, $10 million? $5 million? Would you take that as a 17-, 18-year-old kid? And he's also suing, by the way, the Washington Post and NBC. So, And he may not be done there. There may be some more out there. I hope they all lose, and I hope he never has to work a day in his life. Good for Nick Sandman. $250 million. That was his lucky day when that idiot pounded the drum in his face. We'll be back tomorrow right here on AM 1250 The Answer. By the way, Thursday at 515, Alan Dershowitz right here on this program. See you then. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of AM 1250 The Answer and Salem Media Group.